I have no money. I have no means of creating more income for myself, of taking care of myself and my baby. I'm literally living, living on like beans and rice. I am walking to the grocery store because I can't afford gas and food. I'm digging in my couch cushions for literally change to live. And I'm calling out to God and God isn't answering. Because I'm putting all the power in a source that isn't me. And then feeling like a total failure, feeling like a sinner and a failure because no one's answering. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show today. Hello, hello. What's happening? Uh, Bob, how is Chicago weather right now? It is uh, June. It's middle of June. It's gorgeous. We're recording on the summer solstice today. Um, This is probably coming out august or september but that's all right yeah longest day of the year absolutely gorgeous um perfect weather love mm. it longest day of the year <laughs> is that what solstice i don't even know what solstice means what well the summer mean? solstice like yeah starting tomorrow it's... like sunlight is less and less for us here in the northern hemisphere okay. but yeah summer solstice that's uh that's a bit, it's at a pretty important date across history if you look yes. at all the uh archaeology what they're discovering, what they're discovering in ancient ruins is everything is uh, ancient people spent a lot of time planning for the summer solstice. And they did a lot of their celebrations and ceremonies and buildings were all geared towards this day. So hmm. uh, I think energetically, it's a pretty powerful day uh, on the planet. And uh, yeah, it signifies the change here in the northern from spring to summer. And uh, yeah, so we have a pretty powerful guest coming up. Um, which, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure we've heard a more powerful story on our podcast ever. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that as a dangling participle, but you had quite some excitement last night. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, so I trained jujitsu, as everyone knows, a few times a week. And last night went to class and uh, we uh, had a big class and there's this kind of interesting character that showed up, never seen him before. And it's, it's funny. It's, it's one of those things you hear about happening but you'd never think you're going to see it in your own right your own school. So this, you know, we're, we're going through class, we're learning new technique, we're partnering up, we're, we're, we're doing the drills. And then we're, then we're partnering up with people and doing live rounds where we kind of work with everybody. You take turns going and working the technique at full speed. And, you know, you're being cool. You're not trying to kill people and you know, you're having fun with it and you're, you're trying to drill it, get it into your muscle memory. And this uh, particular human was walking around kind of mumbling to himself, which is the first red flag. And then he chooses to uh, do live rounds with only the females, which was another red flag. And we went particularly kind of rough with one of the female black belts. And so we're, we're all got our eye on him. And then when, then we're, we're taking turns and, and he just wanted to roll with the women. And we're like, the women are like, no, 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 thank mm-hmm. you. You're, you're too rough. So now we're really, paying attention and so he rolls with one of the black belts and you know it's in every 80s movie it's in every movie where some idiot 
char, you know, ch you know, challenges the pro fighter or the black belt or something. It's, it's in every eighties movie I grew up with is, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and, and all these others. I just really dated myself, but yeah, you did. So, uh, so he's, he's, he's in this, he's doing this role with a black belt and he's got his hand in, in the black belt's collar and he gets there and he's mumbling something and he's angry and he actually punches the black belt. Not there's like, there's no like punch. That. There's no punching in jujitsu. There's no punching in jujitsu. No. Oh, okay. No, there's no, it's there's not, no punching. It's just it's not MMA. No, 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 no. It's just, it's purely grappling. So he literally kind of, it wasn't like a full fist back kind of thing. It was like, he had his hand on his collar and just, you know, popped him with his under the chin. And the black belt looks at him like, are you kidding me? He says, do that again. <laughs> and the guy does it again. And so then the black belt just flips him over and ragdolls him and is needling on his chest. And the guy is mumbling and talking about his dad's a cop and all this. And it's, it's it was textbook of what you see in an 80s, you know, thing. Except what was so impressive was the black belt and the other black belts in the room are completely in control of the situation. There's no, okay. there's no egos happening. There's no flare-ups. It was a very controlled situation. Like this guy could have been very severely hurt. And instead he was controlled and he was escorted out of the building um, politely. It's like, thank you, please leave. You know, he's cussing and rambling stuff on his way out. And uh, what was interesting was we, that was, we had uh, some new people uh, attending. Yeah. And so the, so the parents of this gangly teenager are sitting on the bench watching all this happening while their teenagers coming to his very first class in jujitsu. And it was handled expertly. You know, everyone's calm. We escort this person out of the room. We call the police. You know, they knew the police knew who this guy was, but it was a testament to the control and the non-reactionary discipline that training a martial art can do for people. Um, at no time was anyone worried, concerned, in fear, needing to prove anything. Uh, it was just mm. we just need to get this human out of the building and make sure everyone else is okay. And that's exactly what happened. And we went on with class. It was it was that easy. Yeah, that's an intense, high energy situation. Um, I can't help but make a parallel to our guest today. Our guest is Sabrina Victoria, and she has a harrowing tale of things that she's escaped from in this life yeah. but um the the theme of this is that uh sabrina really understood and claimed her own power mm. and what what i what i'm drawing from your story brandon is that the black belt the there's no doubt that that black belt could have destroyed this this disruptor right exactly. physically but the mental fortitude of the black belt the training of going hey i'm i'm powerful in this situation and and recognizing that this individual has an issue right i mean they could yeah. have beat the snot out of this guy yeah. but clearly this guy has other issues yeah. um and they remained they 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 held their power they retained their power and they retained authority over that situation mm -hmm. Um, this is exactly what Sabrina talks about, who mm. who really in, in a matter of two seconds transferred herself from being a victim to a person in control. It, it's it's an amazing story, but how she has regained her power multiple times and has become 
and is a very powerful human being and is, is training other women to be powerful as well. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a really good story that leads into this interview today. Um, yeah, we, I, I don't, we don't have to give a trigger warning, but like there's, there's talk about escaping from a, a abusive relationship. There's yep. from abusive religious cult too. Yep. Right. Exactly. You know, and, you know, we like to keep the show raw. We'd like to keep it real. Yeah. And, you know, we're, I think another thing, you know, that you, Bob, you know, I've always talked about, we're, we're, we're constant learners, you know, opinion voice today doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be in a, the same opinion in a month, a year. Um, and, and I think that's what I like about our, you know, we accept that we're on a journey and we're in a learning journey. And so you'll hear some strong opinions today and some, and some yeah. difficult situations, and perhaps it might provide, provide some usefulness to your yeah, own journey. Absolutely. So we can't wait for you to, uh, meet, uh, just a really powerful person, Sabrina Victoria. Welcome, Sabrina, calling in all the way from Boca Raton, Florida. How's it going? Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Our pleasure. And we just realized as we came on and met each other that we all have this common bond of the yes. uh, south and west suburbs of Chicago. So yes. that is very cool. Yes. 100. Agreed. Did, it's a good area. Did, did you did you grow up with Pratillos, Sabrina? Do you have a favorite Chicago yes, dog Pratillos. or pizza or something that you? Yeah, Pratillos is my jam. I talk okay. about Pratillos hot dogs all the time here in okay. Florida. Cannot find a hot dog place. I literally will not eat a hot dog <laughs> pretty much unless it's for Pratillos. Um, yes. And then pizza, yeah. I mean, Luminati's. Luminati's. Like all right. Dance. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Deep dish. Deep yeah. dish. Yeah. cheese yeah love the cheese yeah awesome there we go there it is love that common bond yeah we uh we in chicago are known for really good greasy food so um, <laughs> a lot of sodium content so you'll go yeah. home a little bloated after you eat chicago food yeah. for the first right time, food comas helps us yeah. get through the really long winters of gray. yes yeah might as well go home and melt into your couch after eating one slice of very heavy pizza and yeah, then feeling 100. bad about your life. Yeah, yeah. you might as well do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's what it's all about. So I, <laughs> I hope we, I hope we get to hear the story of how you uh, made it down to Boca. But let's start with kind of where you're at now, Sabrina. What are you jazzed about? Personal life, business life? What's got you excited right now? I'm all business. Um, just an entrepreneur at heart, basically. I run a community called Her Nation. It's an all-female community based around uh, females who are stepping into their power, their confidence. They're stepping away from the victimhood, the story, the blame game. And they're really um, just acknowledging that their story is their superpower and that telling their story is good. It's not bad. And really creating an atmosphere of, I teach a curriculum around uh, teaching Uh, students and teachers. So I believe that we're all teachers and we're all students at the very same time. I believe that you know something that I don't know, and I know something that you don't know. And the only way for both of us to rise as humans is for us to sit in a room like this and share all the things. We both take a step up. Even if it's virtual. Yes. Yeah. So interesting, Sabrina, in my, uh, in my meditation this morning, uh, corresponding with my guides. I just asked them to remind me what I'm here for. And one of the thing is to break off generational victimhood. <gasps> yes. Look at that. Yeah. That's what I'm here to do. 
So that's one that's one of my uh, that's one of my sole desires is to help break people of that victim mentality because we're not victims. And you you talk a lot about that. Maybe riff on that a little bit. You know what? I I sat to be completely honest with with the audience here. I sat in victimhood for the majority of my life. The majority of my life was a victim. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Mm. Um, that's just filled with Ooh, boy. <laughs> oh, we're gonna Ooh, boy. Show yeah, it's yeah. guilt and shame and like, woe is me. And I can't do anything because of, um, and then I got pregnant at the age of 20, uh, with no husband emphasis on the no husband part. Mm. And because of that, I was what's called disfellowshipped or shunned. And my entire life pivoted right there. My entire family, my entire community just dropped off the face of the planet during like the most vulnerable part of my life. And it went straight down into victimhood at that point. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Well, well we company. don't know what that's all about, do we? Yeah, we, we've, we've had our own versions of, of I'll call it spiritual abuse. Mm. Um you know, myself being a part of kind of a cultish church, you know, for about eight years and coming out of that. And then the last several years processing that and asking yourself, okay, why was I, why did I choose to go into that? What did I go in there to learn? And it was quite a lesson in human behavior. Okay. It took me down some amazing rabbit holes, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm going to go on a controversial limb here. I, I've come to believe that unbridled religion can be is probably one of the most destructive forces on the planet. 100%. Absolutely. One of the most destructive forces to human beings. And because it teaches you to be a victim and it, because it teaches you shame and teaches you fear. Yep. And, and it takes and all your power away. Yeah. The yeah, it's all opposite away. of spiritual, yeah. of spiritual teaching. Yeah. Um, all your power. And that was one of the biggest things, you know, when I was sitting by myself as a single mom, dead broke, baby daddy ran away. I'm literally running a negative balance of $172 in my bank account on any given day, <clears throat> car getting repoed out of the parking lot, eviction notices on my apartment door every other month, wanting to commit suicide, wanting to like leave my baby because I'm just, I'm dealing with postpartum. It's just so heavy. And I have no, I have no community. My entire community left. When you're raised as a Jehovah's Witness, you're taught to not associate outside the religion. Mm -hmm. right. And yeah. at that point in my oh, life, yes. I had nobody else. So I was trying desperately to get back. So yeah. there's this weird paragon as far as like, you're trying to get back. So you can't have any outside relationships still. Cause if they know that you're dabbling in the world, then you're sinning basically. Right. So you can't associate out in the world. You can't associate in the religion. So you're just by yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And calling out to God because they tell you, you have to get your relationship back with God. So I'm like calling out to God, asking for help, please. I have no money. I have no means of creating more income for myself, of taking care of myself and my baby. I'm literally living, living on like beans and rice. I am walking to the grocery store because I can't afford gas and food. I'm digging in my couch cushions for literally change to live. And I'm calling out to God and God isn't answering. Because I'm putting all the power in a source that isn't me. Mm. Interesting. Wow. And then feeling like a total failure, feeling like a sinner and a failure because no one's answering. Sure. I mean, it's this crazy. is, um, and, and I'm really 
And I'm really excited for you that you're focusing on um, females because when you when you consider religion, they don't do a very good job. In fact, it's a horrible uh, horrible relationship with with females. And uh, you probably saw Shiny Happy People on Prime. I did, yes. Okay, I don't know if you've seen this, Brandon. It's it's mm -hmm. basically a documentary about the Duggars and that whole um, oh, that yeah. whole movement, the the movement they're a part of. Yeah. But this is really about isolating children, isolating females. You know, dominate. You know, the males, the dominant race. Uh, they're subservient. But then they use fear and shunning as, as a way to control and manipulate, you know, to keep people around. And then when they don't fall in line, they they shun them. Um, but yeah, associating with the outside world is a no-no. Mm -hmm. So it really leaves somebody who has been ousted from the community with, with nothing to stand on, which is an awful place. It's literally, I mean, you talk about hell, they, <laughs> that is hell. You created, you experienced they it. created that it is Earth. what hell is. And you yeah, went yeah. through it, Sabrina. Yeah, not fun. I can tell you that much. So, so go ahead, Brandon. I was going to ask. So you're in this space. You're, 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 you're at the bottom of the swamp. You're at the, you're, you're, you're as low as you can go. What was a sh the shift for you? What, what was, did something happen? Was there an event? Was there, you know, working in polarity? So you're at your lowest point. What, what what began to shift for you and and yeah. and brought you and start you in the journey to where you are now? You know, it's it's interesting the way you're putting this because um yeah, there was a shift and I perceived it as being a good shift. Mm. It was actually a worse shift. Okay. Um, but I met a man. Okay. And that man had money. And I ignored all the red flags. Mm. So I fell headfirst into this world of, I will take care of you. And so I was convinced very early on to get rid of my place because I couldn't afford it anyways. That's true. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. move in with me. All you have to do is take care of the house. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay rent, right? That's like a gift. Thank you. Sure. Oh, sure. I'm being saved by God. Mm -hmm. Then I'm working the shitty job, making $8 an hour, low key daily herald. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I actually enjoyed it there, but I wasn't making good money. Wasn't making good money. So he's like, come work for me and we'll build an empire together. So I quit my job and I start working for him. Meanwhile, didn't ask him how much I was going to be making, just assumed that I'd be making something. And long story short, uh, pennies, because I was getting everything for free. He was paying for my living. He was paying for my food. Um, I couldn't afford my car. So he wanted to taking my car over. I couldn't afford my phone. So he took my phone over and I look around a couple years in, I own nothing and have nothing mm. and I have no money still. Mm. So he has me working 14, 16 hour days. I'm Hispanic nationality. So I'm a workhorse just in general. It's just my nature to mm. work. Um, I believe that it's in my blood. It still is in my blood, but you know, he totally took advantage of that. And I'm working all these hours. I'm building all this wealth for him, thinking it's ours. Um, over the course of many, many years, we acquired five houses, paid in full, 12 cars, paid in full. We were, went from making about $100,000 or so when I first met him to making over a million dollars um, a year when I left him. And all on my blood, sweat, and tears, nothing was in my name. And mm -hmm. I um, 
was Mm. making no money. So anyways, eight years into that relationship, I'm having a total mental breakdown, mental abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse. He would just word vomit, just the most grotesque things that you could possibly say to somebody, everything from I'm a cheater, I'm a thief, I'm a ghetto, you know, derogatory things about my heritage, being Mexican and dirty. And yeah, every day, meanwhile, I'm building this business. Like literally I'm a badass at building businesses. I'm a badass recruiter. I'm a badass salesperson. I've been going door to door since I was five hawking religion. Um, you know, we were running, yeah. sales, we were running a sales company. Anyways, I'm on the floor in the bathroom eight years in. I have a, I'm living in a huge house. We have multiple houses at this time. I'm driving a brand new BMW, white, fully loaded. And I am, I have no self-worth, no self-esteem, no worth, no money. I'm getting like raped almost every single night. And I am sad. I'm mm. sad. I'm just, I'm really sad, um, depressed and anxious scared, walking on eggshells every single day. And um, uh, I find myself on the floor in the bathroom, just having a total mental breakdown. Basically I'm crying and screaming at the same time, like a psychopath, just like on the floor, just like wailing, just everything's just coming out of me. I'm just feeling so trapped and no way out and not understanding because he's telling me like, you're crazy. Look at all of this. Like you're mm-hmm. living here. Any woman would dream of having, mm-hmm. of having this, like mm-hmm. what is wrong with you? And I'm actually kind of low key. Like you're right. Any woman mm-hmm. won't want this. What is yeah. wrong with me? So anyways, I did a Google search while I'm on the floor in the bathroom, having a total breakdown. And I Googled, why is my boyfriend bullying me? Like simple. Cause I thought, you know, he's, he's being mean. He's such a bully. Yeah. The whole world of narcissistic abuse, codependency, no financial power, sexual coercion just hit me right in the face. Mm. And it was literally at that moment, it was a complete switch. I went from like uh, breaking within two seconds, my eyes just opened. Mm. I literally cleared all my tears. I was like, fuck this bullshit. I need to take my power back. And that was the day I'll never forget it. That was the day I just dove. I opened up a secret bank account soon after that. I opened a secret storage unit soon after that. I started three online secret businesses slowly. And it took me four years, took me a while. I collected 50 grand, which does not seem like a lot of money, but I felt like a millionaire. And I- yours, you earned it. It was was yours. Yeah. (laughs) That was way more value than 50 grand for you. Yeah. And just one random day, I took my son or clothes on my bicycle. That's all I took. I left everything else behind. I didn't fight for anything. I didn't do nothing. We weren't married. I literally just left. And I started all over again with the mattress on the floor from scratch. Mm, Wow. Yeah. Intense. Wow. Hey, founders. We are absolutely enthralled with Sabrina, Victoria, the person and her story and, and really about how to take your power back. If you're resonating with Sabrina and want to connect with her, uh, you want to find her at humanbetter365.com. So those are the numbers 365. So humanbetter365.com. She has products there. She has coaching programs. She has workshops that are really geared towards women and about how to regain your power, how to maintain your power and to thrive in this world. humanbetter365.com. 
Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. You use the term, got my power back. Yeah. Is there a point of time in your life or your childhood where you felt that you had power or did you just, did it, did you just realize, oh my goodness, I'm a human. I have value. I am powerful. What what was that discovery? I love that you're saying this because we were in the industry of sales, like I said. So we ran door-to-door sales crews. Um, We wound up working for the Chicago Tribune, Daily Herald I was already at. Um, which we just wound up getting back in through me um, with, uh, but on the back end. So we were 1099 subcontractors. Yeah. We wound up shifting over to Ohio. We worked with several newspapers in Ohio. We wound up shifting over to Pennsylvania, several newspapers in Pennsylvania. And then we ended up down here in Florida. That's how we ended up down here. But I was running like 100 to 120 door to door sales reps, predominantly male dominated, straight commission in every single one of those offices, that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. So it was this really interesting yin yang fuckery that was going on in my head because I was the face of the company. Hmm. I did have the power in the front of the money-making business. Um, I was their direct contact for all the directors. I was their direct contact for all the sales reps, the marketing material, the sales training, Every I did all of it. And then on the back end at home, I'm being told that I'm stupid and that I'm an idiot and that I don't know anything and I have no college education and I'm ghetto and I'm Mexican and dumb and single mom. How dare I? Um, So it was this really weird dynamic of power and like no power. Wow. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Do you... Were you then cognizant of like the programming that was running at that point, like being in a Jehovah's Witness church, right? It's like you just all through your childhood and young adult years just got programmed, like what your role is and what your what your identity is. Um, And then, yeah, it just seems so interesting to be running a sales company and being badass at that. And then it's almost like you had two programs running concurrently. I did. Yeah. But no, I didn't know. I had no idea. I was totally clueless, totally naive to the whole thing. Just literally just feeling like, and this is what narcissists do. Not to say he's a narcissist, right? He is not clinically diagnosed as a narcissist. So I technically can't even say that, but people with narcissistic traits um, are really good at um, making you just confused. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of like, this, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't even for me. The only reason you're successful is because I had this set up. You would never make it without me. Like whenever I would threaten to leave towards the end, when I started getting a grip on things, um, he'd be like, within six months, if you ever left me within six months, you'd be behind a dumpster in a cardboard box. That's what he used to tell me. Wow. Um, he used to say things like, whoever has all the money has all the power. Do hmm. you have any money? Hmm. Or... Whoever makes all the money makes all the rules. Do you make any money? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So like when you're in the middle of a power struggle and you're trying to like find your identity or find out like who you are or what's going on and somebody slams you with something like that, it's like, you don't even know what to say besides maybe, you know, I mean, I don't even know. You don't even know what to right. say. That's the end right. of the conversation. Right. What, what do you say to that 
nothing. You know, it's, it's a logical, it's a, it's an illogical, logical argument. Yeah. yeah. It's, right. I used to, you know, it's funny. I used to talk to my kids, you know, like I, my teenagers, when they'd come up to me and they'd be watching some YouTube video of some fighter or athlete or whatever it might be. And they, they come and they talk in these absolutes. And I, and I said, remember what Star Wars, remember that a Sith only talks in absolutes. And this absolute is who has the powers, who makes the money. And it's like, oh, really? Really? It's a, yeah. And there's so much fear behind those words. Yeah. There's so much absolute terror. Yeah. Another, uh, someone uh, I follow and listen to is, is, you know, asking the question, we're seeing a lot of interesting things happen. Our world, a lot of turmoil and, and stuff coming, beginning exposed. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like, wow, why do these people do these things? <clears throat> and the answer is always, it's always fear. If you have no personal power, then you have to have someone to exercise power over. So I'd rather make rules for you and control your life and everything about you because I have no internal control whatsoever. I have no internal power and it's terrifying. 100. So, very interesting. Yeah. You mm. know, what's really interesting though about that, right? Because I'm all about, yes, bad. And what did it teach me? So yeah. all of those, like, like, I, you know, I just said that very dramatically, whoever has all the money has all the power. That was very dramatic for me. Yeah. That was core. That was like, hit would hit me to the core or when he would say that mm. um, and weaken me, right. Just, you just shrivel. I used to say that I felt like a little puppy in the corner and I was getting yeah. beat by my own, or like, that's the visual that I would say to him all the time. And what was interesting is those two things that he used to say all the time is actually part of the awakening that I had, because there was a moment where I started to say, he's not saying he has all the money. He's saying, whoever mm has all the money. Wow. And yeah. this really hit me. I, one day, it literally just hit me one day. I'm like, does this mean that if I have money, I have power? And it kind of became an experiment. Like, I wonder what would happen if I could just figure out a way to make money on the side, would I have more power? And I can sit here right now and I can tell you, yes, when you have more money, you do have more power. And that was the last four years of our relationship. The more money I collected in my bank account, the taller I walked, the mm. more I talked back, the more that I did not have to listen to what he said, the more um, times I voiced my opinion, because I started to recognize that he no longer had me by the bootstraps. Mm. I could walk out at any moment because I started collecting and I could leave and I could have a place to stay and I could be safe. See, before that, he knew I was stuck. Hmm. So over that four years, Sabrina, was there a noticeable change in you? Like did like that he noticed? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not for not until maybe my money story is not like the way I told it. It's not like I just started collecting $50,000 in a secret bank account. And everything was great. Right, so, right, right. I lost my money two times, all my money all of it. So I made $6,000 within the first year, my little side business that I started online. He's, I kept my, I had my computer open, my, my bank account open on my, my computer. And I low key wanted to brag. It's the most money, money I've ever, I'd ever had. And I wanted to prove to him, like, look at what I've done. I am good. I am an entrepreneur. I am a business person. Look at what I have created for myself. My ego got in the way. 
Uh, and mm. I, I had my bank account open. He was coming up behind me and I just left it open for a little too long. He saw the amount. He totally flipped out. He didn't know I had a side business. He thought I was like siphoning off the top of my $150, $200 allowance. He was giving me every day for groceries and toiletries. He thought I was like, I don't know, mm. scooping 20 bucks off the top or something, but Stash anyway, he's like, money. Yeah. He's like, how dare you have this money and you're ungrateful and you're unloyal and you should be paying for things if you can have that much money. And that's actually when it hit me because there's, there was this cognitive dissonance of like, maybe I'm making this up. Like maybe he really isn't that bad. Maybe I am being ungrateful. Maybe I am crazy. But when he said that he was mad at me for having $6,000 when he had millions in his account at this time, I had $6,000. He was mad at me that I was like, holy shit, I'm not making this shit up. This mm. guy is trying to keep me poor. Mm -hmm. So he stopped paying me my little allowance for like six or seven months. He's like, that's it. No paycheck work for free. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, used, I had to use all that money because I, I have, you know, I have a son, like I had to, you had to pay for things. Yeah. So he didn't pay me anything for six or seven months. Then once he started, I was still working my business, right? So I was still, I stayed the same. I had to stay calm. I had to stay collective. Like I'm listening to all the guys, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Lisa Nichols. Like I'm listening to that. You just have to stay consistent, stay on, do all the things. And like it, the universe will pay you back. So I'm just still rolling. I'm still rolling. I'm still rolling. Two years later, a year and a half later, I collect $13,000. It started a second business, $13,000. I'm set. I call up my son's father. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm leaving this shit. Fuck this guy. I'm out of here. I just want to let you know, because I'm like scared. I'm nervous. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's still not paying child support. No child support still. But I, we were talking, we were like on talking terms. He had seen his son a few times, you know, we're, my son's like 10 or 11 at this point. So, um, he, or he's probably nine at this point. I don't know. Anyways, um, those numbers don't match up. I don't know how old he was anyways. Um, we, um, I called his son's father and I'm like, Hey, La, 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 la. He's like, okay, no problem. I got you, girl. I'm here for you. I, I girl power. I support you. I'm like, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm looking for places right now. Hang up the phone. A couple weeks later, he calls me back. He's like, hey, listen, can I take our son out on a camping trip? I'd love to take him camping. I'm like, sure, no problem. You can take him camping a thousand percent. It was summer break. School's about to start. No big deal. Takes him on a camping trip. Long story short, end of the camping trip, he never dropped him back off. Mm -hmm. He kept him. Hmm. I had no idea where he was living. I had to literally call the police. Lawyers got involved. He was fighting me for full custody. It was insane. $18,000 for lawyers to get my son back in my custody. So I had 13 saved, $18,000 in lawyer fees over the course of a year or so. I'm literally dead. Like I'm done. It's just so pulls so much out of me. I don't know if either one of you have gone through the, the system, but it's like draining as fuck. Um, so now I'm in credit card debt. So I went from looking for places. Everything's great. Months later, now I'm $5,000 in debt, mm. credit cards, paying lawyers. So I had to do it again. And there's this point that I will never forget where I'm in the car at my lawyer's. 
I have the piece of paper, the child custody. I have full child support, but you know, I'm now getting child support, my son and the, the legalities of like when he can have them. We have paperwork now, it costs me 18 grand. And I'm looking at this 18, 18 page contract. It's a thousand dollars a page yeah. that I pay to do exactly what I was already doing. Um, and I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, the universe is punishing me. God is punishing me. This is my punishment for being a sinner. Mm -hmm. for being an ungodly woman for not going back with the Jehovah's witnesses. The universe is out to get me. The universe hates me. Got all the things, right? I'm never going to get out. I'm doing all the things that everyone is telling me to do. I'm showing up at a hundred percent every fucking day with a positive attitude. Yeah. Positive attitude is just like ingrained in me. Like I just show up fucking positive, ready to go. And it's not working. Mm. it's not working. And I'm just like, this is bullshit, but I had to make a decision. Am I just going to fall into my relationship? People live in shitty relationships. People live in toxic relationships everywhere, mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I could do that. I would be financially set and I could just like turn all my emotions off and just be a robot. Mm. I mean, I could do that. Or am I going to freaking do this again? Am I going to try again. And I made a decision that day that I would keep trying. I would never stop trying. And literally a year later, with the help of child support now, um, I collected just over $31,000 in a little under a year. I was working three businesses. My two first businesses were freaking rolling, plus a little bit of child support that I was getting, um, $31,000. And I just got up and left one day. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. What a courageous story. Yeah. Wow. Intense. But this is what I'm saying. Like, it's not the journey is not like Sabrina got her power back and ah. Yeah. It's sure. not. That's, that's, that's not that's how a summation. That's the summation of the story. Hey, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining us today for today's show. Um, I think we can all agree that the power of story, the testament of story, and the stories that we participate in um, make us who we are. And uh, what an amazing and harrowing and, and, and difficult story that we're hearing today, um, but also a story of strength, power, enlightenment, and a story that has catapulted our guest today into creating multiple businesses and helping a lot of people overcome their own stories, their own difficulties, and to rise to their greatest potential. If you have struggled in the past of wondering how to tell a story, your story, how your story can be relevant when you're wanting to present a solution to the world that is world-class, we've got something for you. Strategicstory.media, um, a partner company of feedstories.com. Um, our, our video storytelling company. Strategic Story was designed for to help people identify their stories. And we've identified at least five core stories that people have to identify and tell in order to really resonate with customers and potential customers. So we wanna encourage you, if, if you've given some thought to it or maybe you know you need to, reach out to us, get some time with us. Let's talk about your business, your story, and see how we can leverage that to create amazing content and relevant content 
that will amplify marketing, your brand, your sales. Um, but we start with story at the core. So if that sounds interesting and, and you're curious about it, reach out to Bob and I through strategicstory.media and let's have a conversation. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. You know, as you're telling this, here's what here's what's going on in my mind. Um, the experience of going through Jehovah's Witnesses and being shunned by that community, um, you know, falling into this relationship where you lose the money twice, um, and you go and where are you, God? And I could just see like all your your God and your spirit and your angels going, oh my goodness, she doesn't know how much she's like, it, it's like the training, right? She doesn't yeah. know how strong she is yet. And they're just yeah. waiting and waiting for you to go, I'm ready. Like that, I just, I see so much hope in that. I know that I know how painful it was and all the despair, yeah. but I just can't help feel like, Everybody was rooting for you, knowing what you're going through, like this path you chose before you were incarnated to go, I am going to be this badass person. And you yeah. had to go through this awful training. You know, the shit that Brandon goes through on the mat to do jujitsu. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I just pictured like everybody in your corner just going, she just doesn't know yet. She just doesn't know yet. So, yeah, so yeah. Um, it's just filled with so much despair, but there's so much hope. That's the dichotomy, right? Yeah. Um, I just, I oh mean, I just, I just, it's palatable how much I feel that. Yeah. It's, Thank um, you. And it really, up. it really is, sorry, but it really no. is just like going all in. Yeah. And that's what it really was. Like I had to make a decision that day to go all in on myself, no matter mm. what, you know, amazing. There's it something seems. else. There's something else at play here, Sabrina. So most people believe, and I think you did too, that who is going to help me, right? Wait, that, that's kind of that victim mentality you talked about. Like I'm waiting for somebody to save me and somebody came along and saved you. And you realize, wow, my savior is worse than the prison I was in before. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. Yeah. So this is, most people are looking for a solution. They're looking for somebody to help them. What an amazing thing, a, a terrible thing you had to go through, but what an amazing thing for you to go through that, to realize like, oh my God, I have all the power within myself. What an amazing journey to get through that. So talk to those that might be sitting in a situation right now who feel kind of like, oh, my business is failing. Um, So-and-so did this to me. Um, everybody's against me. God doesn't love me. Talk to that person right now who's sitting there in this woe is me mentality right now. Yeah. You know, one of the mantras that I have had with me probably, I don't even know, for well over probably 15 years, decade now, um, is just a couple words. And it literally has changed everything when it comes to way that I operate in my world. And that is everything is going to be okay. Mm. It's so simple, mm -hmm. but, and I say it to this day, whenever there's, there's a feeling of overwhelm or anxiety, or I'm not going to do it, or I'm not doing it fast enough, or it's not working the way that I feel like it should be working, pausing and just reminding yourself that everything is going to be okay. 
and then action. Mm. There has to be some action. Like you have to do things. Um, and, and one of the things that I really have gotten good at in my world is I always say that there's two parts of me. There's a part of me that's really smart and like calculated and like knows two steps ahead of time and like has a plan. And then there's this other part of me that's low key, like just wants to chill, just wants to be content, just wants to sit back. Right. And sometimes what happens is when we're on a roll of like entrepreneurship or business, like what you're saying, and it starts to get too hard. We want to just be like, I don't want to do this. This is so freaking hard. I would rather be working a nine to five as a zombie, right? This side of me and just relax. Yeah. What is all of this that we're doing all the time? Something predictable. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So what I've gotten really good at is creating almost foolproof plans for myself in order to make it really easy for myself to stay on the, the entrepreneurial side, no matter what side of me is working that day. And that's preparing, that's planning, that's having a, a list that is um, having a goal or a focus. That's a month, you know, a, a weekly goal, a monthly goal that I'm working at. So that even if I falter a day, I will never falter a week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But having that set out ahead of time with physical numbers, real tangible things that you can see and you can calculate and that you can work towards um, in all aspects that comes to networking, people, um, money, percentages is incredibly important um, because I know that I might fall a, on a, for a day, but I would never fall for a week. And I think that's most of us in the entrepreneurial world. And sometimes what happens though, is if we don't have all that lined up, if we don't have a strict plan that one day can easily turn into an entire week because we're floundering around. So making sure that when I'm smart, I'm extra smart and really creating those things. So even on the days when I'm dumb or just feeling that lull, I can at least stare at a list and get a few things done that will move me a little bit closer to that end goal. Mm. So in this, in your hero's journey here, you, it says in our show notes that you've been helping people worldwide break through and discover their own untapped talents, their own tenacity. Has that been for everyone? Has been specifically for women coming out of what you've been coming out of? And I know there's a, a very important space for that. Tell me yeah. about that. Tell me what. Tell me the types of businesses you built from from this. Yeah, the very first um, business that I rolled out, even before I left my ex, was um, how to break free from narcissistic abuse. It was the very first niche that I was in. Um, the first program that I created was how to leave your husband in 365 days. It was like my actual blueprint on what I did specifically all the steps to leave so that um, there isn't all, like when I left, there was no argument. Like I had done everything behind the scenes. Yeah. So the day I left, I literally just left. Mm. I mean, there was no extras because I had done all the work. So the whole blueprint. Um, and 
that kind of started my journey of collecting women. Mm. Most women, most of the times women are the ones that are in narcissistic abusive relationships. Not always, but those are the ones that were, you know, coming to me. Yeah. And that's when I started kind of my one-to-one coaching. And that's um, kind of just the trail that I've been on in general, the vision. So yes, to your question. Yes. I do work with females yeah. predominantly. The vision is I own a company called human better 365. And the vision for that is all humans. Hmm. Now, the reason I'm concentrating on females, which you may or may not appreciate this, I'm usually on female podcasts. So it's not so awkward talking about this, but I always say that white men saved me Hmm. because when you Googled back in the heyday, motivation or inspirational speakers, which were the things that I was listening to on a daily basis so that I didn't commit suicide. It was like the first a hundred people on Google or more were white men, (laughs) usually bald, (laughs) usually bald white guys. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We run in circles. (laughs) (laughs) However, those were the men that saved me. They saved Mm. my life for real. I would listen all day, every day. I had my headphones in all the time. He thought I was listening to music. I was listening to white men tell me that I was worthy. Mm. And that I could do it. And there was a thought in my head of there should be women. It shouldn't just be white men telling me Mm. that. There needs to be women telling me Mm -hmm. that I could do this. And it was a little seed, right? None of this existed back then. None of what I have created existed back then, but there was a little seed planted. And I thought to myself, I need to figure out a way to get more women ranked in Google so that women that want to listen to women have an option and they don't have to go to page, you know, 127 to get a nice hefty list on Google of females that are sharing their stories. So the idea behind all females right now is when human better 365 really starts to flourish, it will be lopsided in the opposite direction than every other corporation out there. Meaning more women speakers than men speakers. Mm. Love it. Thank you. Beautiful. Love it. I'm, I'm interested, Serena, what part has forgiveness played in, in your story? You know, it's so interesting. It's, this isn't an interesting question. I don't even know why I started with that. However, I get made fun of sometimes because I, I don't give, I don't hold any resentment. Mm. I've actually been told like, what is wrong with you? Like, how Mm. are you not angry? How are you not mad? How are you able to just share it as it is and, and not have any, I have no, no resentments, no ill will towards anybody. Um, I don't have time. I don't have time. I really do believe that the vision that I have set forth for myself and the community that I am building is so much greater than any little pity little thing that happened in my backstory. And I don't need, literally, I don't have five seconds to waste thinking ill about anybody because those five seconds need to go towards something 
building something brilliant and bright to help other people. So I don't even sit in that space literally at all. It's mm. crazy. It's crazy. But I think it's just no. the healing, right? It takes a second. It takes, it wasn't always like that. No. Sure. You know? It takes time. Yeah. Figuring no. Yeah. And, and, and here's what we know. You, you are all about grabbing back your personal power. If you still hold resentment and that person constantly, if you still live in the emotion of that situation, that person still has power over you. You literally take your power back when you are able to release them from that. You do not forget the situation. Yeah. You are yeah. able to talk to us about this story. You're giving us details. You're still giving us the emotional aspects of it, but you're no longer attached to it. You you retain all the lessons from it, but the emotion of it, you've released yourself from that. And that is powerful. And if anybody has done any sort of healing process, uh, especially energy healing, you know that part of that, not part of that, a majority of the work you do with an energy healer is about forgiving and reliving past trauma and releasing yourself from the emotion of it. And the reason you do that is all that gets internalized. When you release that, you actually become a more powerful being. So when you go through an energy healing session, you feel like when I do that, I like feel so powerful afterwards because I've released from the emotions of some of those events. And so, you know, I, I want to encourage people that have gone through this. We're not saying it's easy to do this. No, it actually, it's very difficult work. But if you're able to get to that place of forgiveness and release that person's emotional hold over you, you've just really regained your power. And that's, I can just see that in the way you present it, Sabrina, you're not in that space. You're you're remembering that space. You're remembering that story without it holding any power over you at all. Yeah, yeah. Do you so, guys ever talk about inner child work on this podcast? We can. We can talk about anything. We probably we have about psychedelics, but... ayahuasca, talking to spirit guides, yeah. past lives. What do you want to get into? I don't know how much time we got more today for it, but uh, well, inner child. What do you want to say? Inner child is the modality that I've used to really get to where I am. Um, it's basically mm. saved me. Um, for those that don't know basically what it is, it's, um, I believe, it's like a theory, but I believe that we are internally every year that we've ever been is inside of us as a child. So yeah. I believe that I have a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12, a 17, a 27, a 32, 39-year-old inside of me. Yeah. And every single one of them has lived one year. Okay. And there was several Sabrinas that lived really hard years, mm. really hard years. And they wanted to end it. Mm. There are certain Sabrinas that would drive over bridges every single day. And they wanted to just turn the wheel just a little yep. to fly off. Yeah. And she did it. Mm. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And I believe that she knew that 40-year-old Sabrina had a bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. yeah. So now I have an obligation, me mm -hmm. right here. This Sabrina has an obligation to create something magnificent to say thank you to all those Sabrinas that wanted to just give up. Mm. Mm. And that's what really drives me is yeah. it's not for me currently. 
It's for all of the me's that just kept taking a step forward, that just kept believing, that just kept the the light and the fire and, and felt that gut feeling that would just spark every once in a while where she's like, there's something. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but there's something. And I know I have to be here tomorrow. And all I have to do is just hold on for this year, just this year, because next year that Sabrina's just going to know a little bit more. And as we continue to hold her, she will get a full, a full glass, a full light, mm-hmm. and she will be able to guide us to where we're supposed to be. And that's what I really do feel. And, and I believe that we all have that. We all have that inside of us. We have little tiny Brandons and little tiny Bobs inside of us. And those Bobs and Brandons knew that all the journey was for this and more. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I was, um, that resonates, um, couple of years ago, I was coming out of a very painful divorce and was seeing a therapist and, and doing NLP and timeline work. Um, and, um, we were doing some, you know, going back to younger versions of self at the end of the work, end of the session, as we're talking through all this, I asked a, which I know is a rhetorical question. I asked her, uh, I said, so there's, as far as being human, there's there's really no other way to unlock who we are and our strengths and our power without pain, is mm. there? There mm. really isn't. It's something you'd, I don't want to say out loud. I don't want to cast it as a spell upon myself or others, but I don't, for all the reading and stuff I do around this and meditation, it's like, no, mm. it is, it is the, it is, it is a method of unlocking who the hell we really are. I mean, look at who you are today hmm. because of what you have been through. Yeah. Which could, would you ever become this version of you without what you've been through? Absolutely. And I think perhaps that's one of the reasons why you've been able to let it go so beautifully without any resentments. Like, my God, look at who you are. Yeah. And, and would this person have emerged without having the contrast of a very awful narcissistic mirror in your life you know so bravo to you thank you and i agree yeah well sabrina this was powerful um thank you for being transparent and sharing that i I think it's going to touch a lot a lot of people that hear this um can you tell us a little bit more about human 365 and where it's at in its evolution and how people could connect with you if they uh, really resonate with this yeah so my my main website is sabrinavictoria.com. Um, I predominantly hang out on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, Human Better 365 is an ongoing process. It's slowly transforming into what it's going to become. And that is uh, teachers, teachers teaching. Um, we're uh, constantly pulling in audiences and constantly looking for teachers, mentors, and coaches. So right now, I always joke that I am collecting Uh, teachers, mentors, and coaches in order to create a really beautiful warm circle for myself to be able to pull from as I start to create the curriculum and create the partnerships um, that are going to be expanding into Human Better 365. Love it. Love it. Can I ask you a weird question, Sabrina? Absolutely. Is this your your given name, Sabrina Victoria? Oh, great question. So my name is Sabrina Soto. Victoria is my middle name. 
Um, the reason I was Sabrina Soto forever, but then right at the cusp of me kind of like getting a rolling online, Sabrina Soto TLC interior designer for Target popped up. Oh, and she uh, held the space on Google. And I was, I was, I went from ranking one page, one page two to all of a sudden ranking on page 1,640. So <laughs> I had to pivot. And so I started using my middle name, Sabrina Victoria, which people love. So, well, I love the name because basically all I see is Sabrina's victorious. That, that just, yes. I mean, that, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. that just, it just Thank screams you. like it's the name you're supposed to have and, and have in the marketplace. So uh, I was interested in that. So thanks for sharing that. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Well, fantastic interview, Sabrina. What a, yes. what a powerful and uh, giving interview. Thank you for this conversation today. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you both. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.